Welcome to the Victory of the Lamb podcast. We are a simple, straightforward Bible teaching church in Katy, Texas. If you are in the area, we'd love for you to stop by anytime. Otherwise, we hope you use this podcast to grow in your faith and be confident in sharing it with many. You can find us online at VOTL.org. We hope you enjoy this message, and God bless your week. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours in abundance today as you consider how a God-lived life includes engaging in Christ-centered hospitality. Have you ever seen the movie Forrest Gump? Raise your hand if you've seen that. And if you have seen it, you might remember the scene when it's the first day of school and Forrest, who is the mama's boy cripple that walks slow and thinks even slower, is getting on the bus. First, he has a longer-than-normal chat with the bus driver because Mama says don't go with strangers, and he wasn't sure if he should get on the bus or not. But then he gets on and begins trudging towards the back, but all he sees is glares, and all he hears is words like, seat taken, taken, can't sit here, Kids looking mean and shaking their head no. Forrest gets all the way to the back of the bus with no luck. No one is going to let him sit by them. And he begins trudging back towards the front when a little girl named Jenny finally finally says, You can sit here if you want. And it was the best thing Forrest had ever heard in his life. Forrest's awkward bus walk. Does that only happen in movies? Sadly, if you've spent any time on the school bus, a lunch table, or a school locker room, somebody somewhere feeling like an outcast is very real and very common. And here's the thing, we don't outgrow it either. Haven't you felt like or known someone to feel like an outcast at work or at a family function? Haven't you seen people ganging up on one person to make them feel like an outcast on social media? Can't that happen too when you're a stranger in a new place and whether they mean to or not, all of the people who are used to that place make the new person feel like an outcast? There are zero guarantees that any one of us can go through life and never feel like Forrest did on his awkward bus walk. But here's the thing for you to keep in mind today. Because love is so hard to find in the world, that means that when we show Christian hospitality in love for Jesus, it just stands out all the more. So today, be renewed in your desire to make a real difference and engage in Christ-centered hospitality You never know when God's going to put someone in your path who needs help. And when some hospitality and love that they never see otherwise is going to help them learn about Jesus better through your loving activity. We see Jesus interacting today with an outcast. Matthew, a man who was basically on a Forrest Gump bus walk everywhere he went because it was universally agreed he was the worst of sinners. And here's why. Matthew was a tax collector. 
Let me explain the depth of why that was such a terrible thing to be and why you would feel like an outcast everywhere you went, with your family, with your friends, with anyone you knew back at that time. First of all, whenever you hear the three letters I-R-S, do you smile and get all warm and fuzzy inside? Probably not. And that's because anybody who lives in any country or any century just doesn't like paying their taxes. So there's one reason right there why Matthew, a tax collector, was not on everybody's favorite list and uh, seen as an outcast. But there's more. Matthew was a tax collector, a Jewish man who worked for the Roman Empire collecting taxes from Jews for the Romans. The Jews bristled underneath Roman rule, and they saw Matthew as a Benedict Arnold, as a traitor of the worst kind for going to work for the Romans. And so he was scorned and spit on, not welcomed anywhere he went for that reason. And making that even worse, it was common knowledge that tax collectors were wealthy, and the way that they got so wealthy was by cheating their fellow Jewish people out of money because they were Roman tax collectors. You see, the Romans wanted a certain amount of tax to be collected from each area and each person, and they would look the other way if the Jewish tax collector that was working for them overcharged the people and pocketed the difference. So here's an example that will help you understand the outcast level that Matthew was. He comes and rings your doorbell, and the last time he rang your doorbell a few years ago, he was sleeping over at your house as a good friend. But this time he's ringing your doorbell to collect taxes from you for the hated Romans. And he says you owe $5,000. Well, do you? Maybe not. But what can you do if you actually only owe $3,000 But he says you owe $5,000. You have to pay what he says or risk having the Roman soldiers come and burn your house down. So you cough up the $5,000 and then you know he's pocketing the difference. You look down the street and you see Matthew there in the nice part of town with a 5,000 square foot house that is brand new and three new cars in the driveway while you continue to live the middle class life or even lower middle class life and it's all because he cheats people like you out of money that is where Matthew was in his life on the day when Jesus found him nobody likes a traitor nobody likes a swindler people are jealous of the wealthy and nobody likes paying their taxes Everybody thought Matthew and the other tax collectors were lower than dirt. Everybody, that is, except Jesus. Here's what we find in Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. 
When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Isn't that something? Perhaps Matthew had just ripped someone off earlier that morning or earlier that week and was feeling ashamed and guilty because of it. Perhaps Matthew was just turning over in his mind again how he thought that choosing the lifestyle of being a tax collector would make him happy because he'd get rich and he could put up with everybody treating him like an outcast, but now the money didn't make him happy like he thought that it would have. He was sitting there in the middle of this wicked lifestyle, perhaps wanting to change, but not knowing how to when Jesus said two simple words, follow me. Nobody else gave Matthew time, but Jesus gave him some time. Everybody else gave Matthew glares and stares, daggers coming out of their eyes, but Christ's eyes gravitated away from him as they cussed under their breath. Jesus saw Matthew coming and gravitated towards him as a soul for whom he was willing to die. His two powerful words, follow me, drew Matthew in and he dropped everything to do exactly that. It's fascinating to notice all the responses to this call Jesus gave to Matthew. He responded with joy with no hesitation. Immediately, Matthew was willing to go with Jesus who cared about him and actually was giving him some time. Immediately, Matthew wasted no time being generous as he invited his fellow tax collectors and sinners, the only friends he had because they were outcasts too, to come and get to know this Jesus better who had an amazing depth of love and patience for people that most of the time had nobody giving them love or patience. How did Jesus' other disciples respond? Well, they probably had some strange looks in their eyes for Jesus. Their jaws were probably hitting the floor as now Matthew was following them, with them, that now they were going to need to be associated with him, of all people. They probably were wondering, what in the world is Jesus thinking? And this is not what I signed up for when I said I would follow him, and yet we don't hear them griping or being angry. We just hear them going to eat at Matthew's house with Jesus and the other tax collectors and sinners. Maybe it's most helpful to notice how the religious teachers and the religious leaders responded. They responded sinfully. They fiercely judged Jesus because they fiercely had judged Matthew. Jesus, don't you know anything? All these people in there are sinners. They're nasty. They're worthless. They're shameful. They're beyond repair. They're canceled. 
They don't deserve the air they're breathing. And if you stay around them, Jesus and disciples, we'll make sure that you are canceled too. We'll make sure that everyone sees you as someone who is nasty and worthless and a sinner and shameful and beyond repair. But notice these leaders who were so vicious in their hearts towards Matthew and the disciples and Jesus didn't even talk to Jesus about it. No, they didn't talk to the person that they had the problem with. They talked to the disciples about Jesus. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Either he's nasty like they are or the dumbest person we've ever met. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law had two major problems that will be helpful for you to think through today because we see these problems also in our lives. Minimization, making things too small, and maximization, making things too great. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law minimized their own sin and the people that they liked. They made their own sin to be really small, minuscule, he didn't even see themselves being in the category of sinner. And they made great, they maximized the sins of the tax collectors, the people that were outcasts, that they could pile on and be popular as they did so. They made those sins great, unforgivable, terrible, apologies won't help, You've already dug your grave. Now you have to lie in it. And they had plenty of volunteers to join that chorus of maximizing, making very great, greater than they should have been, the sins of the tax collectors. I wish I could say it was only a problem for them, but we each have a little Pharisee that is alive and well in each of us. We minimize our own sin. We make it small. We act as though it isn't around. A pet sin that we like to keep and stroke and, and feed. We minimize that as being something God despises. And then we maximize the sin of others. People we don't know or people who fall into a sin we, we wouldn't easily fall into we act as though that sin is somehow ranked worse in God's eyes than any of our own. We leap to judgment and think, you're nasty, you're canceled, you're worthless, you're terrible, while also puffing ourselves up in our minimizing of our sin, totally losing track of love, totally losing track of what God thinks and says, warping our view of self, Warping our view of others. That little Pharisee has major problems inside and needs to be destroyed. You cannot negotiate with the part of you that minimizes sin or maximizes sin for selfish reasons. Jesus did neither. When Jesus approached Matthew, he did not make his sin to be smaller than it was. He's God. He knew how big Matthew's sin was. He knew about all of the lies and the greed and the cheating and 
the hate, perhaps, for those who were so mean to him all the time? Jesus knew about Matthew's sin of thinking that more money would make him happy, and then it didn't. He didn't minimize it, and yet he also didn't let it stop him from approaching. Jesus saw all of Matthew's sin and decided, that is a heavy price, but I am willing to pay it. You see, even though Jesus' payment of sin is free, it certainly isn't cheap. So Jesus did not minimize Matthew's sin. He also did not make it bigger than what it was. There was not one detail about what Matthew had done or said or thought that was unforgivable. There was not one single thing Matthew could do to make Jesus snarl and glare and say, Seats taken, not here by me. And when that day came that Jesus said, It is finished. He had Matthew and you and me and so many others in mind as he bowed his head and breathed his last. Our sin was paid in full. It wasn't too great to be forgiven by Christ's finished work. Not one single thing Matthew had done as a tax collector would be held against him even though everybody else did except Jesus. You see, even though everyone else was making Matthew's sin to be unforgivable, God was not. And it's God's opinion that matters the most. How awesome it is for us to realize that Jesus also shows us love without rank. Others might scream at us, you're worthless, get away. Jesus says, follow me. You can't do anything that will make Him stop loving you. And all God wants is your heart. All God wants is for you to realize that He came for someone just like you if you see yourself as a sinner. He came for someone just like you if you know that you need help. The church is not a museum where people ooh and ah at all the perfect, nice, role model citizens in there. The church is a hospital where sinners are equal, beggars before God, desperate in need of grace, finding the grace in Christ they long to have because He loves all in an equally deep and wonderful way. So as we think about God's opinion of us, and as we think about how God neither minimizes our sin nor maximizes it, making it bigger to be one than what it actually is, we can go forward being right-sized about our sin. Yes, it is great. Never minimize it. But no, it is not too great to have Jesus stay away from us. And we can also be right-sized about the sins of others. We can love others without rank. We need not judge a person by their outward appearance. We do not pile on, even though it seems like everybody else is. When we see someone coming who is lost and frazzled and an outcast, and everyone else seems to be saying, seat's taken, can't sit here, giving them nothing but glares and stares and daggers, we think, yeah, let them have it. We don't think that, but instead we think, if not for the grace of God, that could be me. And so with the deep love of Christ that knows no bounds, 
We give them time. We give them prayers. We want them to learn about the Jesus we know because we have found so much forgiveness and peace in His arms and we want them to have the same comfort that we have found. You never know how God can take one simple act of kindness, one simple act of Christ-centered hospitality, and then use it for His wonderful upbuilding of His holy kingdom. One example of that happened with one of our sister churches many years ago. A man walked in who was a Hmong by uh, ethnicity. And he walked into the church to sit for worship on Christmas Eve, but the church was full and there was no place to sit. An elderly gentleman who was a longtime member gave up his seat and motioned for the man to come sit where he had been sitting so that then the older member would stand. The man's name was Bunkyo Lor, and he was so overwhelmed by that act of generosity, he decided he wanted to get to know more about the Jesus this church was teaching about. He did know more about Jesus. He eventually learned so much he wanted to serve that Savior as a pastor. And so he went to our seminary, and he was serving our Lord as a pastor. When? Through his efforts on the internet, preaching his sermons in the Hmong language, some people from Vietnam ran across his preaching. And they asked him from across the, the, the world, can you teach us about what you are saying there? The message of the Scriptures? That was several years ago, and since then, that group in Vietnam, that church has grown from 80-some thousand members to 130,000 members because they love the amazing grace of God that they have heard. They treasure the fact that God does not minimize sin or maximize it. They realize that their relationship with God and with each other is based on God's amazing grace that simply doesn't stop. They enjoy sharing that grace with others. Because they know, if not for God, I would be lost and afraid. But because of God, I am safe and cherished. Dear Christian, you go out and live a life of Christ-centered hospitality. Go show the dark world, the place where it's so hard to find love. Go show them what love is like. Enjoy sharing the truth that you have found in Christ. That because of His love for you, your home in heaven is free, even though it wasn't cheap. And it's available for all. Amen. Time is precious. Thank you so much for investing some of your time with us today. Could I ask you for one more favor? If you're enjoying this podcast, please don't forget to click subscribe and give us a rating. Just a few seconds of your time will help other people hear the simple, straightforward Bible message we offer. Thank you so much. God bless your day in Christ.